All right, this morning, my, the topic that I have, still on what pastor has gracefully and wonderfully started out in the month, talking about unequally yoked, all right? But the subtopic for what I have today is uh, Aaron's rod. Hallelujah. Everybody here is very familiar by Aaron's rod. It was a spectacular miracle. Hallelujah. So we're going to tie it all together and... Uh, the word has a word for someone in the house this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Father, Lord, take all control. Be glorified in our midst this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. First, we're going to go through um, the foundation for this awesome topic. Uh, we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 to 16. All right. And uh, on the fact of this scripture, like Pastor had already declared, over the past two weeks, is that we are in this world to change it, not the other way around. So it says in verse 4, it says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. It says, For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? It says, What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? Hallelujah. And verse 16. Quite small. Okay. So what agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? So for we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they will be my people. So our tax, as the scripture here says, is we are agents of change. We are meant to produce change. Light and darkness cannot stay together. One has to bow. And like we know, darkness always fizzles out. And like our senior pastor had said, we said, darkness is more or less the absence of light. You understand? It's like an empty vacuum of nothingness. But when light comes in, light fills the space. So likewise, as the children of the Lord God Almighty, when we come and we are placed Anywhere upon the face of the earth, we are meant to feel and what? Occupy. We are meant to reach the unsaved. Be the light where darkness once thrives. Do the master's bidding, glorify God, and like I said before, be the agents of change. It doesn't really matter where I find myself. Because I know that where I am, God is there surely. Like he says, I will be among them. So I'm not a soldier that has gone rogue. But wherever I am, I am what of great company. Because I know the Lord God Almighty is surely in my midst. So I will not be afraid of whoever or the mountain that is before me. But what will I do? I will trust in the one that has called me into battle. But the fact is, if I want to be able to make impact in what the Lord has called me to do, called us to do, I have to be sanctified and pure. We all know about how the, the chemists in the laboratory, when they have all their elements together and they want to produce a particular compound, if the elements are impure, in other words, it's going to basically affect what? The compound, the output. Like, we're all very familiar. I'm sure everybody in the room here had done biology at some point when we were young, and for the young ones also, probably you're doing it right now. 
when you talk about how to make salt, talk about adding sodium and what? Chlorine. Now, let's take a very good example. If probably the sodium that is one of the elements that will make salt is impure, we normally say, okay, if it's 100% pure, that means you have pure salt. But let's say the sodium is probably not pure, but the chlorine is pure. At the end of the day, what will happen? It will impact the output. Now, as the scripture says in 1 Thessalonians 5 to the 3, for the need for us to live a sanctified life, for the chemist to be able to ensure that the output of what he's trying to do is pure, what will he do? He would have to purify the elements. And we all know, uh, uh, what's it called? Processes like probably sublimation and even, uh, what's it called? Evaporation. All those methods are used to purify elements. But as Christians, how do I ensure that I live a purified life so that my impact in what the Lord has called me to do will be what? Impactful. And it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you true and true. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I need to be what? Pure. Holy. Blameless. So that my impact, wherever the Lord has placed me, be what? Impactful. If everybody in the congregation is pure and someone impure comes in and starts to infiltrate, like probably let's say unknowingly, but the enemy starts using that kind of a person and everybody there was unaware about what that person was doing, it could basically spoil the work. But God forbid that the devil will be able to infiltrate the house of the Lord and spoil the work of our God. Even before they even come in, the Lord would have exposed them. Hallelujah. But there's a need for us to ensure that our lives are what? Pure. Because when it is pure, then the Lord will be able to walk, walk through us. And the Bible says in 2 Timothy 2 verse 4, the reason why the Lord has called us is to what? To please him. You say, no man worried entangled himself with our fears of this life, that it may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. If I was called to the battlefront, far be it that I will be found doing civilian affairs. I like, it's so interesting because in the, in the message translation, this is what it says. It says, a soldier on duty doesn't get caught up in making deals at the marketplace. He concentrates on carrying out orders. Go to the war, war front. Fight the battle. That is why or why you were called. And to be able to please the one that has called us, we need to what? Focus and have 100% concentration on why we have been called. God called us. Be a soldier. Fight the battles. And it's interesting because even as soldiers, we might, all, might not all probably be posted to the same place. Some of us might be in the war front, some might be in the lowlands, highlands, wherever we're placed. But I won't probably be on the high ground at my post, and I'm looking at my fellow soldier on the low ground, and I'm saying, oh, and I'm not focused on what? Why I'm there, and I'm concerned about why is he there? That's distraction. Or probably we are marching through, and I probably won't stir. 
and I'm concerned about why my colleague has two stars or probably three stars or thereabout. That's what? Lack of what? Focus. And in this battle that we have been called to fight because it is indeed a battle. Because remember basically what happened when the enemy, the devil, was cast to earth. He's waging war against every child of God. He is not relenting. He's all out. And thank God through uh, Wednesday studies with Pastor Matthew talking about revelation, we see how he would not even hold back. So as a child of God, for me to, to be able to stand and ensure that I am pleasing the one that has called me. Because for every single one of us, the Lord has an investment. And his son is that investment. The price was paid to save us from hell, death, and the grave. So to please the one that has saved us and brought us forth against the enemy, what do we do? Stand and be focused. He said, the affairs of this world can cause distractions from our primary objectives as God's stewards, as good stewards of our God. Now, in the scriptures where we're going through this very morning, Korah missed it. Now, you're going to ask, who is Korah? Korah is a Levite that had a primary tax as a Levite in the house of God. But it got mixed up with the affairs of this world. He left his primary tax as a Levite and led a rebellion against Moses and Aaron. But then you ask why? What does he have to gain? A Levite. Somebody that has been set aside by the Lord. Now, carrying out what? A rebellion against those that have been set ahead of you. So this is the first revolt. There were two revolts basically we'll be talking about this morning. But the very first revolt is in Numbers chapter 16. Interestingly, the whole of Numbers 16, there were a lot of revolts basically throughout the journey of the Israelites in the wilderness. But this one is so interesting. And for the entire chapter of 16, 16th chapter, um, from the first to the 40th verse, you have the first revolt. And from verse 41 to verse 50, you have the second one. And you would think that after the you know, God is, God, God is a very wonderful God. He's an awesome God. But there are things that I cannot stand. And one of them is basically rebellion. And those are, we'll see, interestingly, those are times when he will say, Moses, excuse me, step aside. Let me deal with these people. You know, for all that the Lord has done, for everything that he has made possible, they still refuse to honor him. And from verse 1 to verse 40, there was a consequence for the first rebellion. And quite a number of people were, like, they, they, the Lord dealt with them. They died, basically. The next morning, the same Israelites rose up again in rebellion. Well, trust God. All right, let's look at, um, we're not going to be able to read through all, all that particular verses. So, but let's look at number 16. Look at the first uh, three verses. That's verse 1 to 3. Try to have an understanding of exactly what Korah did and who were his co-conspirators. Because definitely some things like that never happen alone. So it says, Korah, son of Izar, the son of Koat, the son of 
Levi and certain Reubenites, Datan and Abiram, sons of Eliab, and On, son of Pella, became insolent. It says, and rose up against Moses. With them were 250 Israelite men, well-known community leaders who had been appointed members of the council. And verse 3 says, they came as a group to oppose Moses and Aaron and said to them, you have gone too far. The whole community is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is with them. Why then do you set yourselves above the Lord's assembly? I don't know who sent them the message, the fact that Moses and Aaron had gone too far. Because from the scriptures, we've known that Moses and Aaron would never say what the Lord did not really say. Yeah, Moses had his own time later on, but then we know very well they would always say what the Lord said. And they said, why, why? And it's interesting because if it was only the Levites that came up like that, we would have probably felt, well, maybe something was wrong within the ranks. But a Benjamite, Datan, Abraham, joined forces with what? Korah. I can't really say exactly where, where the old stuff came up from, who started out the old rebellion. But the fact was they were able to eat deep into what? The, what? the council members, 250 men came up against Moses and Aaron. So we'll probably ask a question like, okay, what were their differences? What was really wrong? They said, oh, Moses and Aaron, you've overstepped yourself. Says the entire community is holy and God is in our midst. So why do you act like you're running the old show? It's in a different translation. And I, I, I kind of went back to various chapters and I tried to kind of, okay, what did Moses and Aaron really do that sparked this? And I couldn't find any. And that's basically what happens when a soldier loses focus and gets entangled with the affairs of what? This world. And there's a spirit that what? Operates in this world. And in that particular spirit, you have things like what? Bitter envy, selfish ambition, things that you can't even put a finger on and say, is it, does it make sense at all? But for one reason, because if you are able to call both of them and say, okay, give us an exact reason why you are holding up this rebellion, they have none. But maybe, maybe Korah probably would, because we all know basically after, we'll see later in, this, in the course of the message, how the Lord only set Aaron and his family to walk within the tabernacle while the rest of the Levites were to what? Handle other affairs. But they couldn't come into the main tabernacle of what? Of worship of God's presence. But then the fact was, there was a share of sacrifice that the Lord set aside for what? Aaron and his family. And probably Korah would have felt like, okay, all we got was just what? The tithe from the congregation. And from that tithe, we pay another tithe to what? Aaron and his family. And some of them were like, I didn't even want to go there to even start thinking about probably what really started the whole issue, basically. But the fact was, they allowed themselves, he allowed himself to be what? Distracted. And in James chapter 4, verse 1 to 5, 
because the scriptures will be able to get an understanding of exactly why. It says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? It says, you, you desire what you do not have. So you kill, you covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And even when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on what? Your pleasures. You are adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of this world has become the enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? Think about it. I got enlisted as a soldier for the United States Armed Forces. And at night, I'm a undercover agent for the K, KGB, right? KGB. <laughs> no, think about it. What do you think the American government would do to such a soldier? <laughs> Take you apart and lock you and throw the keys. Hallelujah. But you can imagine with our God, with our Lord, with the investments that he has what? Made on us. The sacrifices he has made for us. And we take that particular goodness, that blessing, that glory, and we cast it aside like it means nothing. Thank God we are going through the scriptures talking about Revelation and we see the things that the Lord did to what those that refuse to change. And it is so interesting if you like what Pastor Matthew said on Wednesday also that even in the midst of all that the Lord was doing against them, people still rose up and still cursed God. Shows you how hard their hearts have become. Hallelujah. May the Lord help us in Jesus' name. Now, after Moses and Aaron had led the Israelites, let, let's, I'm trying to go back a bit right now to have an understanding about how Moses and Aaron, or even Aaron, got to that particular position. Because they were leaders, they were appointed by the Lord to serve. And people don't really understand that service is honorable, but sometimes it is not pleasant. Because if I don't think the Lord gave any assignment to any Levite where he would say, if you do the wrong thing, you will drop dead. But for those that walked in the tabernacle of his presence, the wrong light, the wrong fire, if you bring the wrong flame, anything that is done wrong, the person can drop dead. But they were not looking at that. You're looking at all the other flashy things. Oh, he has the airport. He has the golden... And that, that fancied you, but you forgot the responsibilities that what brought him that far. Everybody pays a price for glory. Everybody pays a price for the blessings of the Lord. And I think it was um, the pastors that have said it over time, that you look at my life, you see all the glory, all the blessing, but you forget the what? The prices that I paid to get here. 
and you come and say, Pastor, please lay hands on me. I want to receive the blessing that you have right now. And I think it was T.D. Jake that said, are you ready for the 20 years of pain, of crying, and all? are you ready for all that? Because it's part of the package. Moses and Aaron, basically, God used them to lead the children of Israel out of captivity. And God set Aaron and his sons apart as priests. So let's look at Exodus 28. We're going back a bit right now to understand about how Aaron got to where he is. So that gives a good understanding that he didn't just put himself there. Exodus 28 verse 1 to 3. Now, this is basically after the moving out from Egypt. He said, then God was telling Moses, chapter 1, he says, Have Aaron, your brother, brought to you from among the Israelites, along with his sons, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Itamar, so they may serve me as priests. Verse 2 says, Make sacred garments for your brother Aaron, to give him dignity and what? Honor. And tell all the skilled workers to whom I have given wisdom in such matters that they are to make garments for Aaron for his consecration so he may serve me as a priest. Hallelujah. So let's go to verse 41 to verse 43 also of the same chapter 28. After you put these clothes on your brother Aaron and his sons, anoint and ordain them. Consecrate them so they may serve me as priests. Make linen undergarments as a covering for the body, reaching from the waist to the what? To the tie. And verse 43 says, Aaron and his sons must wear them whenever they enter the tent of meeting or approach the altar to minister in the holy place. So that they will not incur guilt and what? Die. This is to be a lasting ordinance for Aaron and his what? Descendants. They were, he was what? Ordained by God. And also in Numbers 18. Numbers 18 verse 1 to 7. Seven verses, but you'll get a good picture of one or two things there. It says, The Lord said to Aaron, You, your sons, and your family are to bear the responsibility of, for offenses connected with the sanctuary. And you, your sons alone, are to bear the responsibility for offenses connected with the priesthood. Bring your fellow Levites from your ancestral tribe to join you. And I assist you when you and your sons minister before the tent of the covenant law. It says they are to be responsible to you and are to perform all the duties of the tent. But they must not go near the furnishings of the sanctuary or the altar. Otherwise, they and you will die. So it says, verse 4, it says, they are to join you and be responsible for the care of the tent of meeting. All the work at the tent, and no one else must come near where you are. Verse 5 says, You are to be responsible for the care of the sanctuary and the altar, so that my wrath will not fall on the 
Israelites again. Verse 6 says, I myself have selected your fellow Levites from among the Israelites as a gift to you. Dedicated to the Lord to do the work at the tent of what? Meeting. And verse 7 says, But only you and your sons may serve as priests in connection with everything at the altar and inside the curtain. He says, the Lord says, I am giving you the service of the priesthood as a gift. Anyone who comes near the sanctuary is to be what? Put to death. And there's someone now coming up to say, who are you, Moses? Who are you, Aaron? Who placed you over us? And it's interesting during the course of the scriptures that I went through, when Moses told the Israelites, every time you murmur and rebel, it's not against me or Aaron. It is who? Against the Lord. And I don't really understand exactly why they refuse to learn. Because it's just like me. If probably I, I never, if probably my daddy never slapped me before, and in the midst of his friends, my mommy probably called him his name, Dio. Oh, that's name is Dio too, interestingly. <laughs> and I went to my father and said, hey, Dio. <laughs> I don't know the one that is worst. Whether it is the beating I'll get later or the look I'll get at that particular time. But heaven world helps me. But you know basically what will happen. Immediately after that scenario, will I ever call him by name again? Never. So you would expect the Israelites, after the very first time somebody rebelled or conspired or murmured against Moses and there was a punishment that they would learn. But sometimes people never learn. We need to be able to learn from our mistakes. We need to be able to understand that, oh, that soldier that broke ranks and was what? What did they even call uh, marshaled? Yeah. Every other person will what? Learn. For the Bible says that the Lord gave Aaron this position of service as a gift. So what did Aaron really do? Why, why was he? Why did the Lord give him such a promising and enduring position of service? The facts are, in the scriptures, Aaron served faithfully alongside Moses. He served faithfully, as in, he messed up once in a while, but then, and that's why we understand that God will always look where? In the heart. Hallelujah. We all remember exactly what happened when Moses went up the Mount Sinai to get the commandment. And before he came back, the same Aaron had what? Been compelled by the people to what? Make a golden calf. But did the Lord make any pronouncement against what Aaron? No. Because he understood that these people are stiff-necked. And they were the ones that equally drew Moses to where he ended up being. Aaron allowed himself to be used by God, even that which he had in his hand, his, his rod, which is going to be the final part of our message this morning. He never held back. 
He never said, no, I wish to be above you, Moses. It was like the shadow of Moses. It was, it was so interesting, if I may confess this, that when I was preparing for this message, it's so funny. I, when I said that Aaron's rod was equally used in most of the plagues that happened in Egypt, I was like, no, no. It was only Moses. But when I went into the scriptures, I realized that most of those plagues, the rod of Aaron was equally what used. But it was, he never counted it as being in the shadow of who? Moses. And the Lord honors service. Wherever the Lord has placed me, I may not probably be on the stage, I may not be a lead singer. I might not probably even be the usher. I might probably be in the background or the back door and nobody sees me. But who sees me? The Lord sees me. And that matters. That is so key. As a soldier, I might not be in the forefront of battle. I might probably be with the artillery. I might be with the medical team. Whatever the Lord has called us for to do, what do we do? We do it. Because there's always a blessing attached to our service if i was saved i was saved to serve and because i serve i'll be what safe because without that i would just be jumping from left pillar to post you understand when they cry there's war here hey there's what there's what there's what but the Bible says that those that know their God will be what? Strong. In, we're not going to read through because of our time. Um, I talked about the fact that Aaron allowed himself to be used by God. He was faithful. And in Exodus 7, chapter 7, verse 8 to 10, there we talked about, it says, the snake that had been Swallowed by Aaron's rod. Sorry, Aaron's rod rather was the snake that swallowed up the other Egyptians' rod. It was Aaron's rod. I used to think it was, I grew up thinking it was the rod of Moses. But the scripture says it was what? Aaron's rod. And also in Exodus chapter 7, verse 17 to 21, it says it was Aaron's rod that God used to turn the water of Egypt into what? Blood. It's in the scriptures. And also in Exodus chapter 8, verse 5 and 6, and likewise chapter 16 and verse 17, it was Aaron's rod that summoned the plagues of the frogs and the gnats. Aaron's rod. There's always a reward for what? Faithfulness. Matthew 25, verse 21. Matthew 25, 21. It's led, talking about rewards of faithfulness. God will always reward our faithfulness. It says, the Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Few things, negligible things, things of you didn't care being who, being the shadow of the pastor. 
In short, if you were the one that prepares the message for the pastor and you hand over to the pastor, pastor preaches and souls were saved. She never one day looked up and said, ah, I am the one that wrote all the messages and stuff like that. You are faithful to the core. You have an understanding that this is not about me. This is not about the pastor, but this is about the work that we've been given to do. This is about the souls that we need to go out and save. The souls that we need to reach out to. Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. It is not about who probably planted or who watered. Because sometimes you say, oh, I want to be the one to plant this time around. No, but you watered the last time. Let me plant this time. No. It's, of, it's, it's insignificant. Because whatever we do, God is the one that still gives the what? The increase. It's not about probably whether it's brother A or sister B. or What we do it faithfully, God sees our unity and there's what? Increase. But once there's chaos, rebellion, backbiting, disunity, the Spirit of God cannot move. It can't move. We can't make impact. In the church, in our personal lives, it's impossible. Because you are either on the Lord's side or where? On the devil's side. So if you are not with the Lord... Like Ron Connelly said in one of his uh, songs, it was lift him up. He says, you cannot be in a demilitarized zone. You can't be on the fence. You're either for God or you're against God. Let me use that way. And you are, if you are against God, definitely the promises of the Lord, his covering, his protection will not work for you, for that kind of a person. I need to be faithful. I need to be focused. Yes, those, I, won't, I won't lie. As humans, we have moments where we will kind of stray. But that is why we have the gift of the Spirit of God in us. And it will point us where? In the right direction. At a point in my life, I thought probably I was like, you're a Christian, why are you? Until the day Pastor Martin has said something like, he had a moment where he was, I can't remember what he said he did, but there was a thought. But he said the Spirit of God just put him right there and there. And he said, in our repent. I was like, ah, thank God. I'm not the only one. So when I, when probably I see somebody, I see somebody and I'm like, ah, what? The Spirit of God. Like, let me give an instance of what happened. On my job, you know, when you have your colleagues, you're meant to be friendly, nice, and stuff like that. But some people will just step on your toes. And you don't hate them, but you don't want to mingle with them. And when they come before you, you're like, you don't, you don't mind pushing their file or whatever they want to do to the bottom of the pile. You understand what I mean? You don't, you're not 18. You're not saying you're not going to do it, but you're just reducing the priority of the matter. <laughs> I'll get back to you. And getting back to you might probably be another you know, 48 hours. And I, I, was, I was going to do that, really. And instantly, I got this knocking on my heart. I don't, I don't need, I don't even need to call pastor to ask, pastor, what was that? Why, why that? I understood what I had done, that it was wrong, and I repented, and I do what I had to do. And I changed my ways that day. Because if I was called to be a soldier, and I am meant to protect these ones that are unsaved, I cannot fight those that I'm supposed to protect him. 
are meant to look out for them. I understand that sometimes it's difficult to, it's called tough love. But then, if I have to look on the other side of the mirror, the same tough love was what got me to where I am today. The same love was what saved me. Do you understand? Sometimes when, when worship, where the presence of the Lord is so powerful, and you see people crying, and you're like, why are they crying? You can't, you, you can't understand it. I, I'm so, I was a bad person. I, 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 I don't deserve this love. But he still loved me. I mean, I mean, he still loved me. And the tears are like, God loved me so. Hallelujah. So therefore, I need to love everyone out there. Regardless of who they are or whatever they have done. Because I am a soldier of Christ. Now, the second revolt, like, oh, I didn't even, okay, I didn't read, well, let's read up on our own, we get our own, basically the consequences, or the consequence of the first revolt. That was Korah and the Reubenites and the 250 men that set themselves against Moses and Aaron. And the scripture says, if you read through that particular chapter in, in Numbers chapter 16, immediately Moses heard that he he bowed himself down. You know, it's so funny when somebody is trying to fight against you, but you know that, ah, it is not me you are fighting. You are fighting somebody bigger. And that was why I understood. I used to wonder, why would Moses be bowing down whenever somebody is trying to fight him? He understood that the king of kings, the lord of lords, the one that is a consuming fire, is the one that you are. Moses has seen things that will make him tremble. And I'm sure that they would have thought that, hey, we are getting that. But they don't know that Moses is afraid for you guys. That is why he's bowing down that, ah, please, guys, don't, they, this is not the time. And trust God, immediately the presence of the Lord came down in the tent of the meeting. And what did the Lord say to Moses and Aaron? Can you please step aside? Let me deal with these people. And it was so interesting that Moses now said, are you going to now destroy the same people that you saved? That when the news gets back to Egypt, what would they say of the God that saved? He said he couldn't get them to where he wanted to get them to. That's why he destroyed all of them. And God now said, okay, no problem. Then the, the perpetrators Tell everybody that is in their midst to what? Excuse themselves. The tent of Korah and the other two guys. Step aside from wherever they are. Bible says that that same minute, that same time, the way the Lord dealt with them, the Israelites were even afraid. The earth opened up, swallowed them up, and covered them all up. Alive. The anger of God. Who can withstand the anger of the Lord? And this one is interesting. Because when that happened, the next morning, trust our wonderful Israelites. Let's look at Numbers chapter 16, verse 41 to 50, quickly. 16, 41. 
says the whole Israelite community. Now it is now the entire Israelite community. Initially it was just Korah and his co-conspirators. Now the entire clan of Israel came up against uh, Moses and Aaron. So number 16. It's coming up. Awesome. God bless you for that. So he said the next day, that is after the earth had opened up and swallowed up uh, Korah and his henchmen, right before the eyes of everyone. The next day, the whole Israelite community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. You have killed the Lord's people, they said. But they said, but when the assembly gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron and turned toward the tent of meeting, Suddenly, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord appeared. Verse 3 says, Then Moses and Aaron went in front of the tent of the meeting. They knew God meant business. And the Lord said to Moses, Verse 4, He says, Get away from this assembly, so I can put an end to them at once. And they fell face down. Then Moses said to Aaron, Take your censer and put an incense in it, along with the burning coals from the altar, and hurry to the assembly to make atonement for them. The wrath has come out from the Lord. The plague has what? Started. The plague has what? Started. Next verse, please. So, so Aaron did as Moses said, and ran into the midst of the assembly, the plague had already started among the people. But Aaron was able to offer the incense and made atonement for them. Now if you read the next few verses, you will see that over 14,000 souls were what? Destroyed that day with the previous day, the total over 14,000. Over 14,000. Then the Lord now decided and said, there's a need to put an end to all this rebellion. There's a need to put an end to all the murmuring. People will always look at you and say, what is your qualification that brings you to be the one that will aid us? What school did you go to? Where, where, where did you, what Ivy League did you graduate from? When did you even become a Christian? Let's say, when did you become a Christian to say you know the scriptures? Forgetting that no man called himself, but God called every man. And for God to put an end to all the unrest and rebellion the Lord had to do something very outstanding. Something that everyone that he heard or see will marvel and say, yes, this is really the Lord's anointed. And my prayer for everyone on the call this morning is that the Lord will separate you with an awesome miracle in the name of the Lord Jesus. That those that have doubted your faith, those that have doubted your belief, would know that you serve a living God. Hallelujah. Because when a thousand falls by your side and ten thousand by your right, and they expect that you would have dropped there, but you are still standing, that is your portion in the name of our Lord Jesus. 
And in Numbers 17, interestingly, quickly this morning before we wrap up, the Bible says in Numbers 17 verse 5, because the Lord wanted to put an end, because rebellion is like cancer. It, it, it is so stubborn and so devilish and so earthly that it spreads. And the Lord knew that even despite the fact that this number of people have been destroyed, there's still chances that it will still rise up a different set of what? Rebels. And the Lord said, the Lord asked Moses for the 12 tribes, let every man, every leader, every chief, they set earth for each particular tribe, come with their rod, with their staff, inscribe their name on that particular staff. And he said for Aaron, let Aaron be the one that represent the Levites. Let them bring the staffs and that Moses should place the, the rod. We are very familiar with that story that we should place the rod in the tent of meeting. And verse 5 says, The staff belonging to the man I choose will sprout, and I will rid myself of this constant grumbling against you, Moses, and by the Israelites. It says, The rod will what? Sprout. It will board, which, like it says in King James Version. And verse 8, same chapter, says the next day, and when I mean next day, it was in the next day is basically less than 24 hours. Moses entered the tent and saw that Aaron's staff, which represented the tribe of Levi, had not only sprouted, but budded, blossomed, and produced almonds. Just a stick, a rod, dead wood. This is not a tree that is dead that we are talked that we have spoken that when it smells water, what happens? It still brings this is dead wood. Leave that wood in water for the next one century, nothing will happen. Nothing will sprout. It's dead as in dead, dead. But that was not just the only miracle. I don't know how many of us know about the almond tree. The almond tree. The almond tree is so selective as to where it can what? Produce fruits. You can plant an almond tree here and it will grow. But if the conditions are not conducive, you're not going to get any fruits. And also they said it takes as long as 5 to 12 years for the almond tree to produce fruits. And here we are, and a, a, a plain rod, less than 24 hours, right in the presence of Jehovah. Not only did it sprout, it bordered, blossomed, and had fruits. So not only did you just show some small leaves that say, okay, there's life in you. And not only did he bring out flowers to show that, oh, wow, you're a beautiful plant. He brought out fruits. Amen. That means talking about God. And this same tree, it's not just that you plant the tree here and the tree will start producing fruits. Everybody knows what we call cross-pollination, right? There has to be what? Pollination. If there's no pollination, no fruits. But right in the presence of God, no pollination, no soil, 
just the spirit of the most high God. So if anybody is telling you, you need this, you need that, you need to go and see this or that person, tell them, no, right in the presence of God, I have all that I need. The meeting place. <laughs> the tabernacle of the meeting. If, do you remember in Numbers 17 verse 4? Let's look at verse 4. I want to bring something out for us this morning. Hallelujah. As I wrap up this message. It says, place them, talking about God telling them, place the rods in the tent of meeting, in the front of the ark of the covenant law, where I what? Meet with you. The place of what? Meeting. In other words, the place of our what? Appointment. Message translation, interestingly, has a very awesome translation of this particular verse. It says, now lay them out in the tent of meeting in front of the testimony. Talking about the ark of, sorry, the, the tablets of, of the law. Where I keep appointments with you. So I'll ask the question, where does the Lord keep appointments with you? In a decade place and time to meet with God. A regular place. Now, interestingly, this is not a geographic location with coordinates, north and south and all that. It's not a room either. But nevertheless, it is a place. A secret place, I'll call it. A place of revelation. The presence of the Most High God. And the Bible says in Psalm 91 verse 1, He that dwelleth, where? In the secret place of the Most High. Shall abide where? Under the shadow of the Almighty. The place of where? Our appointment. The same place where I go and hold on to God. The same place where I go and empty myself to God. The same place where He what? He holds on to me. The same place where He what? He speaks to me. A place where the uncertain becomes clear. A place where that which is hidden is revealed. Hallelujah. A place where that which is lost is found. A place where the dead comes to life. A place where the barren brings forth. A place where miracles, breakthroughs, victory all around come forth. In the presence of my God. We all have a place of our meeting. Everyone here has a dedicated time and place with our God. But interesting how the scriptures now elevates that place. It says where two or three of you are, there I am in your midst. It says one of you will bring what? A thousand to flight. And two, ten thousand. So when I honor God in my own place, where I stand and worship God, when I have my, my moments of worship, but when there's a call for corporate worship, corporate prayer, where I know there's more effectiveness, because the scripture has said, one, just me, I can bring what? A thousand to fly. Two of us, here they are about 10,000. 
And it stopped there because it said, continue with that math. And you know it's not addition. It's geometric. So by the time you're saying the third person, maybe it's a million to flight. My message was this morning, it's not just about the fact that the rod of Aaron budded and sprouted and blossomed and brought forth fruits. But there had to be a place where it is possible. We do not have the Ark of the Covenant today. But we have that which is greater. We have the Spirit of God in us. A seal to the day of redemption. That means we carry God's presence wherever we are. So if I said this is my place of where? The meeting. God will honor that place. So every time, the moment where I come to that place, what do you think? Is God alone there? No. God is there with the host of heaven. God is never alone. It is never a dull moment before our God. Either the angels are praising him. Or the 24 elders are bowing down, casting their crowns in worship before the King of glory. And as the praise was going forth, his son called forth, Father! And there was audience. Because the son of the most high is called forth to the Father. And the Father will always what? In a bit. The praises, the prayers of his own. So don't ever feel you are ever alone when you are in the place of your prayer. God is there. The host of heaven is there. And they are in attention to hear. My son is about to speak. Let him speak. My daughter wants to speak. He wants to bear his soul to me. Let him speak. Psalm 27 verse 5 said for in a time of trouble he will hide me in his pavilion in the circuit of his tabernacle shall he hide me and he will set me up upon a rock let's be on our feet this morning let us be upon our feet this morning there's power in the place of meeting. The secret place. And if you read through those scriptures that were very true, if you go back a bit to the of the chapters, not everyone can come into the holiest of holies. Even when the priest brings the incense with a coal, fire before the presence of the Lord, as an offering of sweet smelling of all, not everyone can do that. Now what does that mean? That means the devil cannot infiltrate the secret place. He is never invited. He is not called upon. But when we call upon the name of the Lord our God, He would always hear us. I don't know what you're looking to the Lord for in this season and in this time. You are a soldier of the Most High God. An investment has been made on you, in you, over you. And the Lord will always reward faithfulness. 
and it is your right to call upon his name it is your right to seek that which he has for you in this time and this day he says open your mouth ask of me Jeremiah 3 verse 3 says call upon me and I will answer you and he said I will show you great and mighty things that you know not of you might probably serve in the lowlands or maybe you're on the mountaintop you might probably be in the back or in the front but wherever you are place to serve please serve and serve faithfully and serve with an expectation for a reward because we have seen God will always reward faithfulness God will always reward service God will always reward our seed and I'll ask you a question do you have good impact right now does your life glorify God or do you carry dead weight on yourself the burdens and the cares of this world you lose focus on why you were called a soldier a good soldier a good steward of the most high God where is your secret place where is your place of refuge is it amongst your friends that blaspheme against the God that you serve the one that saved you your savior or may I even ask and go further is he even your savior is he your Lord can he call you by name and say my son my daughter I mean Jesus is Jesus your Lord and savior have you been faithful this is your call this is the moment when we call to him he would always answer when we are without they bring us within he says if your sin is red as crimson he said he will make it white as snow we are redeemed by the blood of the lamb we are saved by the most high God we are saved to serve the most high God and we are saved so that we can be safe that the enemy of this world will not be able to come against us so my first call to this one this, this morning is to, is to you is the Lord your savior he has knocked on the doors of your heart have you hearkened to him Or do you say you want to enjoy time and you say, oh, life is short. I want to enjoy my time. But let me tell you, eternity is long, far long. You have to prepare for it. This one, the Lord is reaching out to you. Saying, I've loved you with an everlasting love. And the Lord will never relent until you are loved and you are brought out of the enemy's camp. My prayer this morning is that you will open to the Lord as he calls for to you this morning. Repent of whatever sin, forsake them, and come back to our Lord Jesus because he would forgive.
he always forgives. His, his, his love is, he knows the bounds. Whatever you have done, whatever things your hand has been placed in, said, come, I will forgive. I will heal. I will cleanse you. You will be made right by my word, by my spirit. So our Lord Jesus Christ this morning, I pray for my brother and my sister that I've made the right choice to be turned back unto you this day. That as they confess whatever sin, whatever wrong they've held onto, that you will forgive them. Cleanse them from every unrighteousness. The cares of this world, the pride of life, the sins of the flesh, that by reason of your blood, Jesus, they are redeemed and made whole, sanctified, made fit for the master's use. In the name of the Lord Jesus. And as you have called them, you bless them. Set them apart, Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus. A shining light that cannot be hidden. In the name of the Lord Jesus. And for the rest of us in the house, we're going to pray this morning. What is that thing in your heart that troubles you, that gives you those sleepless nights, that gives you that worry? What is that thing that you know has consumed your discussion and thoughts that has brought fear? But knowing that the Lord, he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I want to lift up our voices this morning. Because we know right now, right here, he is in our midst. And he will hear your call when you call this morning. Lift up your voice right now. Begin to call upon the name of the Lord. Begin to declare that which it is that you desire of our God. Begin to declare that which troubles you. Empty yourself before the most high God. Empty yourself before the King of Kings. What do you desire? He said, I would answer when you call. Lift up your voice. Call unto him. What do you desire? Is it your health? He said, I will be unto you, Jehovah Rapha, that by the reason of the blood of a lamb, every infirmity, every disease will bow, and they will dry up in the name of the Lord Jesus. My son, from the crown of your head to the sole of your very feet, he says, I will make you all in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Maya riando ba santo de daba, riando ba sita nama, ma riando ma santo de daba. Is it for your children? Is it for your home? Is it for your family? Commit them to the hand of the Lord, and the Lord will make it happen in the name of the Lord Jesus. Riando ma santo de araka, yidia riando santo de deboa. Whatever need, whatever concern, bring it before the Lord. And the Lord would work. Father, we bless your name this morning. What a great God you are. 
what a mighty God you are. Hey, the scripture says that are the consuming fire. And yet, you are the one that has called us into your presence. Hey, you have loved us with an everlasting love. You saved us. Whom the world has termed the unsavable. You redeemed us when there was none else that could save us. Father, we honor you this morning. We thank you because you are our Father, our Lord, and our God. As we walk under the shadow of your mighty wings, we know we will never make a wrong turn. We know we will never make a wrong choice. Because your spirit is always there. Directing, coordinating and leading us according to your will. This morning, Father Lord, we pray that as your, as your children, soldiers that you have made, set up, placed in the primary post of service, that we remain faithful to our calling. That we remain faithful to you, O Lord. And that we please you, not entangled with the affairs of this world. But we are focused to do your will, Lord Jesus. We pray for the strength, O Lord. To constantly look unto you, Lord. And not unto the mountain. Not unto the valley. Not unto the situation. Like we know and we're taught to glorify you in the midst of the battle. And when we glorify you, you'd always show up as a mighty man of war. Father, we thank you for this grace. Hey, thank you because we know Jesus. Thank you because we serve Jesus. Thank you because we are redeemed by our Lord Jesus. As our Lord and personal Savior, Lord. Thank you for your spirit in us. Thank you for every blessing. Thank you for every favor. Thank you, Jesus. We give you the glory this morning. We honor your name. Let your name alone be glorified. As your word has gone forth, let it bring forth life and healing to all that ear. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Let lives never remain the same again. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Let us see you as the one that will reward faithfulness. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we bless and give you the glory. We honor your mighty name. Blessed be the name of the Lord our God. For in Jesus' mighty name we do pray. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Praise the mighty name of our Lord Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed by the sermon. And if you would love to be a part of what God is doing in our midst, feel free to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. To be a part of the giving, you can give our email at info, I-N-F-O, at kicccanada.ca or through our website at www.kicccanada.ca slash donate. God is doing amazing things in our midst and we look forward to seeing you soon. Remember, you are a champion. God bless you.